Uh, last time I was here, I preached on Revelation. And uh, when your pastor asked me if I would preach uh, today, I said, yes, if I could preach on Revelation again. And the reason is this. Last time I preached, I wasn't happy because it, was, it seemed so theoretical. But Revelation is an intensely practical book. And I didn't think I came across. So this is kind of like a redo. So not, I'm, I'm not preaching the same message, uh, but I'm coming at it in a different way. And I'm using the letter to the church at Smyrna as an example. I'll be looking at that text, but also using it as kind of a lens to the emphasis of the book of Revelation as a whole. So you'll find the text, uh, I think, on the screen. Uh, I gave the incorrect verses, which is not a good sign, is it, uh, for the bulletin, for the worship guide. But um, let's give ear to the reading of God's Word. Revelation 2, reading of verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says uh, to the churches. The one who conquers uh, will not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Talk this morning's message is Essentials of an Overcomer. Allow me to lead us in prayer. Father, we have come here today not to hear a preacher, but to hear from you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that by your Spirit, you would meet us in a very real and personal way where we are in the struggles that we face, in the doubts that we have. Lord, you walk among us and you know the needs of our hearts. You know the needs of this church. And so we ask that by your spirit, you would work in a mighty way according to your purpose for us in this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. Imagine that you are going off to college and you've arrived and your parents have left and you're unpacking. And you discover a letter from them in your luggage. And the letter contains counsel to you. Counsel at this stage of your life. The letter tells you what to expect. Some challenges you are likely to face and how to conduct yourself. And your parents in this letter assure you of their love for you. And their provision for you. And they paint a picture of what your future could be like. And as you read this letter from your parents, you hear echoes of things they have taught you your entire life. Well, that's the sort of letter that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us, his people, in the book of Revelation. Revelation is a letter 
addressed to seven churches in a region called Asia Minor. These churches, uh, these seven churches, were actual geographically located communities of faith in the first century A.D. But the message of Revelation wasn't just and isn't just for these seven churches. It's for Christ's church throughout the world and throughout generations. The book of Revelation is an equipping book. It equips us for our journey in this present age while we wait our Lord's return. Now, college holds uh, many pitfalls. College can, in college, uh, students, our children, we can, can uh, encounter worldviews, ways of looking at life that are contrary to the Christian worldview, contrary to the worldview that our God gives us in the Bible. In college, there are also temptations, many temptations to indulge in, in self-serving ways. The same is true in this world. There are challenges to our worldview that we face as Christians. There are also temptations that we face and obstacles. And so our Lord Jesus, in the book of Revelation, speaks to us to prepare us for life in this fallen world, awaiting his return in glory. In a nutshell, our Lord Jesus' call to us in the book of Revelation is to overcome. To overcome. If you look at the seven letters in chapters 2 and 3, you'll notice that each letter is punctuated with a call to overcome. And if you look at the book as a whole, toward the end of the book, you'll see the same emphasis a call to overcome. So what I'd like us to do this morning is to get a handle on what it means, what our Lord Jesus is telling us when he says, Christian, disciple of mine, overcome. We're going to look at three things. What, first, what it means to overcome. Second, how we overcome. And third, how we live as overcomers. All right, what does it mean to overcome? Uh, it is so nice to turn in the paper, I receive a newspaper, old guy, to, uh, nice to turn to the sports section and find us talking about sports again. You know, a little over a year ago when COVID uh, hit us so suddenly and the plug was pulled on sports, and I'm not one of these rabid sports fans, I'm just interested in scores and little stories like that. I guess it was around March Madness, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament that COVID hit us last year, and it just stopped. Teams were getting ready, figuring, how can we do this in COVID? They said, we can't. It just stopped. You miss sports. And in the sports, you get an idea, you get a feel for what it's like to overcome. I think of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, where the 15th seed uh, overcomes, beats the second seed or where a team is way behind and they catch up. Those are ideas of what, it's mean, what it means to overcome. Overcoming uh, low expectations or overcoming a deficit. 
Well, this overcoming is front and center for us in the book of Revelation. Look at verse 11. Our Lord is speaking here to the church of Smyrna. And he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers. Now, that's uh, this particular translation, the English Standard Version's translation of the word for overcome. The one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Now, this call to overcome wasn't issued just to the church at Smyrna. You notice it said here, he wasn't ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So not just to Smyrna, but to all the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor. But not ju- even just the churches, those churches, not just to the churches of the first century, but to the churches of the centuries that would follow, including ours, the 21st century. And the call to overcome has bearing for each one of us, you, me, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and to every church, including Ironworks Church. All right, what does it mean to overcome? Well, it carries the idea, as the ESV puts it, our translation puts it, of conquering or gaining victory over. But there's more involved To overcome the way it's used in the book of Revelation kind of has a dual thrust. On the one hand, it means to participate in the victory of Jesus Christ. To participate in the victory of Jesus Christ. But it also means, involves, to participate in his sufferings. To participate in his victory and in his sufferings. The Apostle Peter, who's, who's writing to a people who are scattered and undergoing persecution, he, he takes hold of each one of these aspects and expresses it in terms of something to rejoice over. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 4. He says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you also may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And you see those two things. There's a feel of victory, of conquest, but also, while we are in this world, a feel of suffering and struggling. To overcome is essentially the same thing as abide. You know, our Lord Jesus, uh, in John 15, he gives the um, the story of the vine and the branches. He gives that metaphor. And in there he says, he is the vine, we are the branches, and we need to abide in him. We need to stay put in him. And we need to, uh, uh, not only for life, but for growth. Well, overcoming is basically the same thing as abiding with one difference. There's an edge of resistance. In other words, we need to abide against resistance, against trying to be pulled away from Christ. And we need to be rooted and steadfast and determined against all that comes at us that tries to lead us away from Christ. We see this in the message to Smyrna. Jesus notes their affliction. Verse 9. 
I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see what Jesus said, some of the difficulties that we face, that when he calls us to overcome, he mentions four things just in this short letter. He speaks of tribulation, poverty, slander, and prison. And that's what we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as light in darkness, can experience in this world. Uh, we can face persecution for any number of reasons. They, for our taking a stand for Christ, we may experience poverty. There can be economic consequences. When we take a stand for Christ, people may make fun of us, mock us, malign us. So much so that we almost don't want our light to shine too brightly so that people to avoid abuse. And some are thrown into prison. And Christians here and around the world are facing legal oppression. What Jesus does here is he not only mentions these afflictions, he pulls back the curtain to show us the orchestrator, who, the one who is behind these things, the one who is called the prince of this age. And he names him here, he names names, and he says, it is Satan, Satan, the devil. Now, we haven't, this is not new to us as we've read our Bibles. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, he said, in this world, uh, no, actually, uh, what he said was uh, that we, he prayed that we not be taken out of this world, but that we would be what? Protected from the evil one. And it gives us an idea of what we are up, who we are up against. In the, in, in the March Madness, the NCAA tournament, you know, you overcome, but when you are the ultimate overcomer, you overcome it all, then you get the prize. In the same way, our Lord Jesus extends a prize to, the, to those who overcome. Whenever you see overcoming mentioned in the book of Revelation, you will see something of this prize. It's coupled with a prize. In the, in the letters to the seven churches, with each one issuing a call to overcome, it gives us a glimpse of glory. It gives us a, 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 one aspect, says something about that prize that is ours for overcoming. Verse 11 says, the one who conquers, overcomes, will not be hurt by the second death. All right, what is that? What is the second death? When we come to the end of the book of Revelation, it's featured, it's mentioned three times. Well, we all will die once. We age, we die, whatever it might be. Well, we die physically. The one who overcomes will not face the second death, that is, eternal damnation. Instead, 
we will have eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. And the book of Revelation works very hard to accommodate our understanding, a piece of gold and pearls and glory and majesty, just to give us a taste of the wonders that are in store for those who love Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is addressed uh, to seven cities. Seven cities. But the most prominent book of Revelation, I'm sorry, the most prominent city in the book of Revelation is not among those seven cities. The most prominent city in the book of Revelation is the New Jerusalem, where the city and the church and all of the cosmos becomes one in glory with Jesus Christ. And do you know who that New Jerusalem is populated by? Overcomers. The book of Revelation expresses it different ways, but it's by overcomers. All right, see what it means to overcome. How, how do we do that? How do we overcome? Now, when we hear stories of overcomers, they can be very moving. I mean, these sports stories are great. But I'm talking about some real-life things where um, the immigrant, you know, uh, comes you know, through Ellis Island and uh, not only has the clothes on his back, and he works hard and grit with determination, and he makes something of himself. And those stories are moving, or a woman who, who is, is interred in the concentration camp at Auschwitz, and she is enabled to, she, to make it through, and she endures so much, and she survives Auschwitz. And that is an encouraging story. And get an idea of what overcoming is like with that pressing on. But that's not really the heart, not really the gist of what it means when our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to overcome. It's there, but there's something more foundational. The book of Revelation is a very stylized book. It can, be, it can be outlined a number of different ways. And one of those outlines basically starts here and brings us to the center of the book. And if in that center of the book we find how it is that we overcome. There is the beating heart of the book of Revelation. Let me read this from Revelation 12. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser, Satan, of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And here it is. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Do you hear that? We do not, we do not, uh, we do not overcome by the blood, sweat, and tears of our most dogged efforts. How do we overcome? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The only way for anyone to overcome is through Jesus Christ. John, 
who is the human author of the book of Revelation, in his first epistle, he highlights this. This is what he says in 1 John 5. For everyone who has, born, who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. And what is our faith in? Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, when, uh, when people do overcome and they surmount these incredible obstacles and they make it through, or someone who uh, overcomes and makes it through uh, flames or what it is to rescue someone, and that person is considered a hero. And we see uh, them, the accolades, given the key to the city or the, a, a trophy or a victor's crown. In the book of Revelation, we see that too. We see a crown being placed on the head of overcomers. And do you know what overcomers do with that? They take that crown and they cast it down before the throne of him who reigns because he is the one who overcame. And to him belong all glory and honor and praise. In fact, if you were to turn up the volume of the book of Revelation, you would hear that there is a soundtrack, a soundtrack of praise to him who sits on the throne. So I mean, look at the book of Revelation. The overwhelming focus, the overarching purpose of Revelation is to show us Jesus. To show us Jesus. You look at these intense descriptions in chapter 1, and those, in, those descriptions extend all the way through chapter 22. Now, the letter to Smyrna, uh, the one to overcome, who overcomes, was promised what? Escape from the second death. But how does the letter begin? Look at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. You see where the letter directs us? By lifting our eyes to him who overcame the second death. Jesus here is called the first and the last. Now remember that letter, uh, that letter from the parents to the college student. I said when, they, when the student would read the letter, the student would hear echoes from things parents had taught all their whole lives. Well, we do that, you see that in the book of Revelation. We hear echoes of things that have been taught us all the way through, throughout the Old Testament. And the first and the last is a title ascribed to God. Uh, for example, in Isaiah 44. And here, Jesus takes that title to himself, saying, I am the first and the last. I am God incarnate, who was crucified, raised, and now lives in victory. Like one of the descriptions Jesus gives in that first chapter of Revelation, where we have this uh, dense portrait from these strokes from the Old Testament, Jesus said this, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. 
I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. And by overcoming that victory, that liberation is ours through faith in Christ. All right, what it means to overcome, how we overcome, and finally, how we live as overcomers. Now, life in this world um, is a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us. It's a struggle for Christians. And it's no surprise, because our Lord Jesus told us this. He told his disciples this, and he tells us as well. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And our Lord Jesus Christ gives us this book of Revelation to encourage us in his victory, but also to equip us, equip us for a journey in what is, can be a hostile and inhospitable world. Or I can put it this way, the book of Revelation is given to equip us as overcomers. Equip us to live as overcomers. Now, Revelation is often regarded as uh, an answer key, an answer key to the future. But the primary purpose of the book of Revelation is not tomorrow. It's today. Like that letter to the college student, uh, it is intended by our Lord to equip us to live as his disciples in this fallen world. Uh, John, in his opening words in the book of Revelation, uh, t- give us, uh, tell us how to, how to approach the book. It says this in Revelation 1-3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. You hear those words? Three words. Read, hear, and keep. That's, that, those are the instructions for taking up the book of Revelation. Read it. it can't, we cannot neglect it. We can't say, this is too weird. I can't, I can't understand a word this thing is saying, so I'm just putting it aside, and I'm sticking with the 65 other books of the Bible. It, we need to read it. We need to take it up and read it. And to hear means we need to pay attention We need to listen to what our Lord Jesus Christ is telling us in the book. And there's one other thing, and what is that? Keep it. We don't often think of the book of Revelation as a book to be be kept. We think of it more as some sort of a blockbuster movie to be awed by. But it is a book to be kept. In fact, in Revelation 22... The very last chapter of the book, our Lord Jesus says this, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps. Who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Okay? How do we do it? How do we keep what, the book of Revelation? I think two ways. One is we keep Christ's message in mind. Keep his message in mind. And what that says is this. 
as we see all these things happening in the world, we see the nations rage, the people plotting. We see all the turmoil in the world around us. We want to keep this perspective in mind that Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns on high for his church right now. Jesus will return for his church. And we want to keep the perspective in mind. But also, we want to keep Christ's counsel in play. We need to bring his word, to hear his word, and to put it into practice for the conduct of our lives. Now, in the seven letters uh, to the church, seven churches, we find a, a concentration of our Lord's counsel. We find things that he commends. We find things that he corrects in respect to that particular church. And all of that is counsel to each one of us who, who is a disciple of Christ, saying this is how we are to live in this world as ones who overcome in Christ. The church at Smyrna was experiencing a tribulation and deprivation and persecution. And that, that, uh, that persecution at the church of Smyrna was coming from the world. The world. Here's the church, the people of God, from the world around them. But it also was coming from within. And you find much in these letters that deals with the persecution, the deviation from Jesus Christ within the church. And so we need to be on guard from that which is outside, but also alert to what is inside the church, that it follows uh, the word of Jesus Christ. And our Lord Jesus assures us that our suffering carries his purpose, and it will be temporary. Praise God for that temporary. The way it's put here in this letter is it will be for 10 days. And that's just a way of saying that it is of limited duration, serving the purpose. The way Peter puts it, even if you have to suffer a little while. All right, the counsel that our Lord gives, I think we could say relates to one thing. It relates to abiding in Him. It relates to overcoming it relates to knowing Jesus. So that when we come to these seven letters and we see these things that affect us in our walk, our Christian walk, with the struggles, and Jesus says, don't forget your first love. Don't just go through Christianity, churchianity. Don't just do the Christian thing. Don't forget me, how I loved you. And you love because you don't forget your first love. And where you look at yourself and you find yourself deviating because I know and you know you are prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. I want you to repent. I want you to return. And when you are so um, upset and doubts come upon you and you wonder, does God really reign? Is Jesus returning? I want you to find nourishment to strengthen your focus of faith. And I want you to walk by wisdom and not the foolishness of this world. Don't go after what is right in your own eyes because its end is the way of death. 
Don't be surprised by suffering. Suffering identifies you with Christ while we are in the world, but not of it. And hope. Hope is something else that's stressed, to find ourselves settled in Christ who overcame. You see, all those things are correctives. All those things contribute to making sure that the one in whom we abide is the one that we will grow closer to and keep our eyes on as we walk in this world. Each of the seven letters punctuated with a call to overcome. And the one who overcomes will receive all of the blessings that are showcased so gloriously in the book of Revelation. And the one who does not overcome, the one not found in Christ, the one who forsakes Christ to go his or her own way, then all of the curses and all of the horrific things described in the book of Revelation will be theirs. The call of Revelation is to overcome by coming to Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, reigning, and returning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, who died and lives forevermore, who alone holds the keys to the dungeon of death in Hades, we ask that you would subdue us to yourself, that you would sustain us in our struggle, and that you would strengthen us for the battle. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.